Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Wednesday evening is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders played two games, won one, lost one, and uh, setting up. they've set up a game four on Friday. And, uh, you know, I don't really think that there's too much of a reason to be worried. I know that goes against the uh, credo of the show, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I think they've played pretty well over these three games. And just a couple of mistakes really cost them today. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I wouldn't say I'm worried. I actually thought, I really, th- I know Mike Hoffman. They, they they were referencing his quote saying like, if there's any team that could come back from being two zero down in a best of five, it's this one. Obviously, anybody's going to say that about their team. <laughs> um, but uh, I thought the exact opposite. I thought the Panthers kind of looked like largely uninterested when when the Islanders would take a lead or something. And uh, I thought. This was going to, I really did. I thought the Islanders were going to blow the doors off them today. Uh, but like you said, they didn't play particularly bad as a whole. It was just, you know, this is a team that their whole uh, identity is about limiting mistakes because when they make them and, team, and teams make them pay for them, they can't really catch up because uh, they're not going to score four goals a game. Uh, so this is, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, if you had asked any Islander fan on uh, Saturday morning, would you take a 2 1? Uh, series lead after the first three games of course everybody would sign up for it uh, a little disappointing because I, th- I really thought they were going to sweep them but um like you said not, not and this is totally totally jinxing us both of us are doing this <laughs> is dangerous but it just there hasn't there's nothing there's no root uh cause con- for concern right they're not getting 
they're not getting blown out at five on five. There's they look like their their defense looks like it's well structured, especially since Andy Green has come in. He's been great. Uh, I I just all four lines are kind of rolling, and if one's off, you know, the other three are still working. And uh, from game to game, I'm just it's there's really nothing system systemically to be worried about with this team right now. Yeah. Um, now, uh, to be perfectly honest and uh, and very transparent, uh, I actually didn't watch the game today. Like a lot of people, the uh, tropical storm has wreaked havoc in my neighborhood. I have had power, uh, which is more than I can say for some other folks I know I've had on the island, but I haven't had really internet all day. And in fact, we're recording this while I'm using my phone as a Wi-Fi hotspot uh, for my desktop computer. So I actually didn't watch the game today. I ended up watching the highlights later on, and I was obviously following uh, on Twitter. And um, yeah, it, it seemed as if the Islanders basically did their thing. I mean, they, the Panthers took a one nothing lead uh, in the first period uh, and on a power play goal that would, would that would become foreshadowing for later on. And uh, Mike Hoffman power play goal, actually. And then, uh, no, no, sorry. The first goal wasn't, wasn't Hoffman's. The second goal uh, was Hoffman's. Um, after the Islanders had tied it late in the second period, JG Pajot, that line continues to keep keep working Pajot and, and Beauvillier great setup by Beauvillier too. Uh, so it was tied at uh, one going into the third and Simeon Varlamov made uh, a, a mistake, basically played the puck outside of the trapezoid, gave Florida a power play. Hoffman scored on that. And then uh, later on, Brian Boyle scored on, on a wrist shot from the slot. Also passed Varlamov gave the Panthers a three, one lead like two minutes later. And uh, you know, the Islanders went back to work, but couldn't, couldn't, you know, really do much until about two minutes left. Brock Nelson scored uh, on a feed from Jordan Eberle set up, you know, what could have been some, a tying goal situation, but didn't, didn't materialize. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking at uh, our friend, Kerry Haber's uh, scorecard, you know, after the game and, and the Islanders had 60% of the attempts, 65, almost 67% of high danger chances and almost 70% of the expected goals. So, I mean, that's a game that you win nine times out of 10 or even 99 times out of a hundred. That's not a game that you lose. I'm looking at a map here and the area in front of the crease is dark blue, which is where you want your team to be. And the Panthers spot is a little bit lighter in red and a little bit smaller. So, I mean, the Islanders played their game. They played pretty well. They just gave up two power play goals, which is kind of unusual for them. And uh, even in his, in his comments afterwards, Barry Trotz said, you know, he was upset that they didn't kill the penalties that they had to kill. And that's a team that you can't really give power plays to the Islanders were the beneficiaries of the power plays in game two, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But I mean, by and large, the Islanders have been the better team in, in all three of these games. And and if not for our Lamas, you know, I don't want to put it on him. I mean, you know, you, you got a power play. You, the other team has a power play. You got to kill the penalty. Like that's just how it is, you know? And so it's not his fault necessarily, although the penalty was obviously on him. Um, but you know, if not for that, I mean, they might be tied or they might've gone to overtime or the Islanders might've won. So it's a very thin margin of error right now. And I mean, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm never super confident, but you know, game four is on Friday at noon again. And I got to think that the Islanders game plan is going to be basically the same thing. And if they limit their mistakes and limit the power plays given to the Panthers, they'll probably come out the winners. So I'm not too worried. If this was another situation, I might be worried, but right now I'm actually surprisingly confident. Uh, although, you know, you know me, it's, it's never totally confident, but <laughs> more confident than I would have been in any other situation, basically. Yeah. It's uh it's a, it feels like that's the, 
kind of general feeling among Islander fans I spoke to. I mean, I, I, I lost power yesterday. So for game two, um, right after the, that scrum, um, that I think had JG Pajot shadow boxing Brian Boyle. <laughs> like that, the, the last thing I saw was, yeah. Last thing I saw was, uh, uh, Barkov. I think it was Sasha Barkov put, uh, someone in a headlock and then, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah then everything went out. Um, <laughs> so the, I think the Islanders were up three, three, two at that point. And, um, the report I got from my buddy was that they basically clamped everything down in the third period. Um, cause the Islanders, I thought their first period in game two was poor, but that's really of, of all the, kind of games I've watched that's really been the only bad stretch of play which is you know a good thing over three games so uh I like it's not of course the Islanders can lose they can lose game four and then it's a coin flip who wins game five so is there a reason to be worried of course there's reason to be worried you're worried until the the series is over and then you start worrying about the next one but it's it's like you said like it's the, the game plan is there it they're executing it um whether whether or not they they get the saves or you know, the bounces or the, the power play opportunities like that, that's stuff that is kind of out of, out of their control and the stuff they can't plan for. So in, in Barry Trotz's Islanders are, uh, they're playing like Barry Trotz's Islanders basically. So it, it's just, there's just nothing to be worried about. Even if, you know, even if it suck, it would suck if it happens, but if they lose the series, like you almost have to be like, you know, like, and they play these ways and they just get unlucky. It just, you almost like tip your cap to, it and it's just, chalk it up to that i mean the think about the panthers and islanders series from 20 was it 2016 the islanders just kind of caught the they got the big goals and lucky break so if it gets to that point you just kind of tip your cap because i'm thrilled with the way they look like and i said this on the last episode like the the way that this team is set up to win this year or next year or basically the year after that and that that's the window for this kind of core um this this is kind of this is showing you ideally what the team looks like uh, and it's, and it works. It's, so it's not, I'm not too worried about but the, the state of the Islanders as a whole almost is, is, is not worrying me at all, which is really strange. And, and uh, even though it's only been two games and, and a plus a weird exhibition one to, to glean that from is, or three games uh, is it's, I'm sure, you know, it's hyperbolic, but like, it's just, it's really satisfying. It's been a satisfying three games to watch. And it really does make me confident about just, just this entire roster and the construction of the organization uh going forward still yeah it's it's a normal the normal course of events for an islander fan is a game team loses and then you think about all of the things that are wrong with the franchise oh my god they have no place to play oh my god these guys are making too much oh my god these guys stink they they can't draft they can't none of that is happening right now (laughs) like it's it's this was a game they lost they could have won they had chances to win even late i mean it's like they just you know, gave up that they went down three one and then just stopped playing. Like they they kept playing pretty well, and if it wasn't for just one mistake, you know, or two mistakes, they, they probably would have been on the other side of it. But I don't want to blame Varlamov. I don't want to like harp on him. I am a little bit surprised that they didn't play Thomas Grice today, uh, just to get him work. I mean, I really didn't think there was much, uh, you know, kind of risk there. I mean, even if they had lost, okay, fine, you go back to Varlamov the next game. Um, but uh, so that was a little bit surprising. But again, I don't think. Barlamov was necessarily bad, except for that, that goal on on Boyle he gave up wasn't really all that great. But at that point, 
Uh, I don't know. They, again, they tried to come back, but couldn't. Um, so, yeah, so that was that's where the Islanders are right now. They're down or they're up to one going into game four. Again, that's Friday at noon. Uh, if you're hoping for a primetime game like uh, Neil Best of Newsday, was a little surprised I got in primetime game. Neil, not these two teams. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's yeah, very let's, kind uh, of you. Even, even if every other team was eliminated, it was the only game. They were like, yeah. just stick them on at 12. We, we can run days of our lives. We can run days of our lives afterwards. <laughs> yeah, right. He said, uh, he said in another tweet too, that, uh, you know, if the Islanders make the Stanley cup finals, they'll get in prime time. And I, I was going to retweet. I mean, he's seems like a nice guy. I've been reading him my entire life. And I wanted to retweet him and be like, if the Islanders made the Stanley cup finals, NBCSN would find like some more fishing shows or whatever drag racing to play or something like that. They would just pretend like it didn't exist. So, uh, we'll worry about that, I guess when the time comes, but, um, uh, but Tuesday's game two was a much more successful game. The Islanders won that one four to two. And again, they went down early and just they, you were right. They, they had a pretty bad opening uh, period. Uh, they ended up out shooting the Panthers by the end of it. And then the second was basically all Islanders. Uh, Matt Martin scored off that awesome, like behind the between the legs feed from Tom Kunackle, which was pretty remarkable. That, that was Pound yeah, like I mean, when you talk pound for pound, maybe the play of the playoffs, and and not just I'm not just talking about this round. Like I don't think anyone's going to be able to top that play, just considering the two guys that were involved. Like it's one thing if you know Mitch Marner and Allison Matthews combined for that play, but I mean, come on, what right. a play! Guy who's twelfth forward, thirteenth forward, and and fourth line forward combining for this unbelievable. Yeah, it was basically the twelfth and thirteenth forwards combining for a between the <laughs> yeah. legs no look pass goal. In a playoff game against Sergei Bobrovsky. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, you're right. That It was ridiculous. Uh, Barkov got the Panthers back up top, but then Ryan Pollock on a huge blast uh, on the power play. I didn't even see it go. And all I heard was Brendan Burke say he scores. And then uh, Jordan Everly scored. I know that the Tom Kuhnackle, Matt Martin goal is great, but my personal favorite is the Everly goal because – he holds on to the puck for long enough for Panthers defenseman Brady Keeper, who, in truth, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I had never heard of this guy in my entire life, but now I will never forget him because he literally pantsed himself waiting for Everly to you know, shoot. And Everly just held on to the puck and Keeper just went down on one knee and spun around for some reason to show his back to Everly. And then Everly just deposited it behind Bobrovsky and I was at this point I had no internet so I was actually watching it I, but I did have power so I was watching it on TV and I just jumped off my couch like I'm like that's the coolest thing I've ever seen like it was just <laughs> awesome and and the thing I thought about too is that you know I mean I know we talk about this a lot and I don't want to get off on a tangent but like how many times have we seen you and I and a lot of older guys watching this how many times have we seen that goal that exact goal happen with the role of Brady Keeper being played by Andrew McDonald. <laughs> I was just about right? to say, like, you're going to say Andrew McDonald. I knew like it. That's, that's, and maybe not just him, but like other guys like, you know, Brian Strait or, or uh, you know, Mike Mat- Motto Steve or Steve Steos, yeah, exactly. Steve Steos, like, yeah, we've seen this goal a hundred times. And it's always our guys doing that weird turnaround move and the other guys scoring. It's like Yager. Or, I, I swear, sometimes, you know, yeah, Yager or someone, someone, someone would, someone would get, you know, uh, yeah, UC Yoke in, or someone would do that to the yeah. Islanders. And Andrew McDonald would, would flail it with his stick. And then he would find another stick out of nope somewhere. And, and like, you're just like, this guy, he's got like a sword out there trying to get him. It, right. Yeah. You just, Andrew McDonald was almost always on his, on one knee facing like in a, a corner instead yeah. of facing the puck northern yeah. net. So, like, dude, uh, what are you doing? You're right there. 
Anyway, uh, so that that to me was my personal favorite was, you know, with the Martin Kuhnhackle hookup being close second. And then the third period, the Islanders controlled the whole thing. Everly uh, scored again, although it was really Bavillier's shot that sort of glanced off of his shin. But I'm sure Everly will take it. And uh, I don't remember the Panthers having aside from the one power play they had. I don't remember them having a single dangerous scoring chance the entire third period of game two. Like they just the game was just over at that point. And uh, I was like, this is going to be great. They're going to steamroll these guys. And then, you know, game game three happened and the steamroll never materialized. But, uh, you know, again, they've done things like that the entire series. And so I'm not, you know, again, I, 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 I'm a, I agree with you in that, you know, we could possibly be jinxing them a lot for, for game four, but you know, they're, I, I expect them to be focused and come out. They're going to have their ping pong tournament, I guess, again, in the off day, but I expect them to be focused and I expect Barry to, to have them ready for what, you know, the Panthers are going to bring. And I mean, they've been up to the challenge this whole time, so I don't expect that to really change. Uh, and hopefully they can, they can just get enough pucks behind Bobrovsky and walk out with a win and move on to the next round. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, I like their chances to do that. If, if things stay on, on script, uh, and, and I've been, I've been thoroughly, I know I mentioned it before, but I just, I've been really impressed with Andy Green. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of guys who who have been great. Peugeot, for sure, like has been a, a buzzsaw, and he's um, the two of them are just perfect for this team, like in in very different ways. Um, Green is is just so cal- such a calming influence in the back. Every he he does very a lot of little things so well, like whether it's if he's behind the puck and and there are two guys crashing on him, he just puts the puck in a safe area, like so smoothly. Um, it, whether even if it's not a pass, if it's just literally him putting the puck somewhere where two Panthers aren't, he's made two or three brilliant stretch passes that have led to either a goal in the first game or or um, uh, or the game against the Rangers, I think that was, uh, or you know scoring chances that he, he had one today, and he's he's just been great in that regard. He's 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 just so sound defensively, and he, he not only is he. Per, and, and this is getting too far ahead of ourselves, but he's just he's he'd be perfect for this team going forward into next year because he should be cheap, one year deal, um, and he can be that you know third pair kind of calming presence for Noah Dobson or a guy who you know plays forty five to six, uh, you know sixty games next year and can be scratched here and there when it, just to keep him fresh. But him and then Pajot, who's just the the work he does in every part of the game is is noticeable. Like whereas Green is job is to not show up in this in the in the recap article in newsday the next morning pajot is just it's impossible to not mention him like anytime he's on the ice whether it's a, a good defensive ship or it, if it's him leading a rush or scoring whatever it's been he's just been just full of energy and he's got skill like uh, i feel like over the years the islanders have had so many players of that mold but they just lack the the finish um that he has or or maybe they lack the defensive iq that he has he he's I'm not saying he's a star because he's not, but he is a complete player. He's a very solid player. He does everything well. Uh, so it's just been really encouraging to see the two of these guys, uh, two, the two deadline guys, play well. And uh, like I said, it's just more more things to love about their prospects going forward as well as this this tournament. Yeah, Pejo really is. I, I was thinking about that too, how he's just the perfect guy for this team. And yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they did give up a first round pick again, assuming that they move on, 
that pick is as good as belonging to the senators <laughs> whenever it does end up wherever it does end up i mean if in the if the highly unlikely event that the islanders lose and then get the first overall pick then it would they would keep it but any other pick basically ends up going to the senators and they end up paying him uh right six years it was like six six million a year or five million or something like that so it's a lot to give up but this guy is exactly what they needed and he's he's good on on the defensive end of the ice he can score he can set people up and he's just got the right attitude like that that flinch move with brian boyle yes it's petty i get it you know some guys were like complaining on twitter that like well you know boyle didn't actually flinch he just went after Pajot. That's not the point. The point is that this guy, Pajot, who's like a normal-sized human of whatever, 5'10", 5'11", looked up at a guy like Brian Boyle, who's like 6'8", and was like, what are you going to do about it? And Boyle went after him. Like, that's that's the attitude that this team has lacked for a long time. And to see an outsider come in and give the team that attitude is really interesting because, like, you know, it's such an insular group that – you know, they can stand up for each other, but sometimes it, you know, it seems a little bit weird. But for a new guy to come in here and be like, you guys are my family now, I'm going to do this. That's pretty inspiring. Like, it's really cool. And and he's just a great, a great ad. And yeah, like you said, Green, you captured it perfectly. Like Green's job, the, the less you hear Andy Green's name, that means he's doing his job more effectively. And he's just, he's just good at it. And, you know, there's been no update on Johnny Boychuk. He's still out. Probably not going to play on Friday. Didn't play in either of these last two games. And you know, we all love Johnny Boychuk. He, he came again, another outsider came in, immediately became like an Islanders legend, basically. Um, but you know, if they can if they can keep green and somehow get a <laughs> find a, a taker for Boychuk, um, that would be a huge coup. And again, I don't we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like I think, you know, whatever Boychuk brings on the ice, I don't know about off the ice, and you know, this he's like the team dad, so I'm I'm not discounting that, but you know, on the ice for sure, Green can definitely replace whatever it is that Boychuk brings. But then again, you also got um, the, the, Noah Dobson, who's been scratched this whole time so far, and Sebastian Ajo has been scratched forever, it feels like. So they have op- options on D, and Green is just another one. And, you know, whether he stays longer than this or just now, you know, again, he's got to sign cheap if he's going to sign. I don't, we don't want to give out another $4 million. Right you know, five-year contract or anything. But, you know, if he's cheap and he wants to just stick around and hang out and play and move his kids from Jersey to the island, hey, go for it. I think uh, the, the thing I always – and we probably said this when, after the Peugeot trade too, but it's so long ago. But the thing that, that people keep bringing up the trade and the, the price the Islanders pay just shows you they, they don't really pay – It's really and it's hard for people who look at the game from a league-wide perspective to do it. But sure, if, if, if the – a team like the Panthers or maybe a team like the I don't know, the Canucks or someone if they traded for JG Pajot and they gave up what the Islanders did, sure, maybe you can say they overpaid or it was a bad trade. But when you look at it from a team specific angle, the Islanders this is the guy the Islanders needed. It, and it was it was funny because we it, it never ends, happens like this, but when the, the season started, the Islanders started well, and people started thinking, all right, what do we need to add to this team at the deadline? Immediately, all everybody wanted to say was J.G. Pajot. Like, this right. guy's perfect for this team. Like, yeah. And it never happens where, you know, people talk about that guy, <laughs> and then you go get him. So it, it was it was just very it, – it, it was a it's a big price to pay, but it wasn't a bad price to pay, not for the Islanders, because they, they got a, a an important piece now. Granted that he's – you know, could, hopefully he stays healthy and whatever going forward, but – um, that it, 
that's it. That's you know, if people want to make fun of the trade for for what the Islanders gave up, it's just they 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 haven't been paying attention. Uh, still, like they still don't get it. Uh, I read an article in the Athletic, and, and it's my own fault for getting taken in by the title. But it was uh, this was before today's game. The Panthers were down zero and two, and the title was by Scott Burnside, who was literally never hasn't written a positive article about the Islanders ever in his entire career. The, the first positive article he writes about the Islanders. The next positive article he writes about the Islanders will be the first, as far as I know. But the title was, we know exactly why the Panthers are down two games to none to the Islanders. And I thought it was going to be about how the Islanders were doing their thing and the Panthers had yet to find their game. And that's just that simple. But no, it was all about how the Panthers haven't changed their their DNA or their culture or whatever. And even Joel Quenville hasn't turned it around. And I'm like, I mean, I guess, but like maybe it's some other team that's just kind of doing what they do and they're pretty good at it when they've got their full complement of players and they went out and got a guy who can do that thing. And they had a coach to teach him that thing. And it's been two years now and this is their thing. I, I don't know. I was really, I, I don't know. Again, I was more mad at myself for thinking it was going to be anything else other than that. But it's, uh, yeah. I know that the, um, the athletic had a, a bunch of layoffs during the, the pause. So, and I know that George Richards, who's their Florida beat yeah. guy, the first I didn't read the article, but I saw that headline, and the first thing I thought was, if I was George Richards, who was a great you know beat writer, and I saw that, I would just be like, that's that's basically them giving a saying we we need someone to cover the Panthers, mm. and, and sending a, a like a broad NHL writer parachuting in onto a small market team, be like, here you cover the Panthers because you know who cares? Like nobody's going to read it anyways. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not slighting any Panthers fans out there. We, we feel your pain. No. It's very similar with the Islanders. Like, yeah. I'm sure that no, that if, you know, if, media outlets made those decisions about the Islanders too. Oh, but yeah. it's just and that's just what say, it stuck out to me. Like, he must have been so mad seeing that, being like, that's just a yeah. broad stroke. I don't think you're slighting anybody. I think if anything, Panthers fans and Panthers writers are sick of writing and reading that same exact story. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it sounds like the kind of story that the idea of it was already set in stone before he actually wrote it. You exactly. Know like, yeah. you know, they, and it's, a guy it's like George like Richards. If, if Panthers go up two nothing, I'll write this. If they go down two nothing, I'll right. write this. If yeah. they go if they split, I'll write this. Right. Whereas a guy like George Richards, who's been following this team for like fifteen years, would have given you a little bit more of a nuanced thing. And he's still writing. You think he's Florida hockey today or something right. like that? But anyway. Uh but yeah, yeah, follow George Richards on Twitter if you aren't, because he's a great follower. <laughs> and he's a fun guy. Uh we're gonna take a short break right now and when we come back we're gonna talk about some other series and uh I don't know what to look forward to on Friday. All right. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com. You can find t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos, New York Golden Blades, Long Island Ducks, uh, Dayton Flyers, uh, Nashville Dixie Flyers, you name it, they got it. Check it out, VintageIceHockey.com. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. If you use the code Lighthouse15, you can save 15% off your order. So check out VintageIceHockey.com today. Uh, because uh, it's the middle of August and hockey's going on. Uh, okay, so the Islanders didn't eliminate the Panthers, but there is one eliminated team already, and that is the New York Rangers, uh, who lost uh, in three straight games to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, some of it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> we'll get to that uh, in a second. Um, and just just to get this out of the way, I mean, I- I'm I know a lot of people and myself are thinking that yes. This probably means the Rangers are going to get the first overall pick, take forward Alexis Lafreniere. They don't need another dynamic forward, but there's a good, you know, they would take one, I'm sure, if they had, if he was sitting right there. I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy. I'm not saying the NHL is going to fix anything. I'm just saying that they are in the prime position now. They have a 12-something percent chance of getting him. And you know what? If it happens... It happens. We've seen guys, highly touted guys, come and and not turn out to be as good as they are. Maybe he is as good as he is, and that doesn't guarantee anything either. So again, I'm 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 worried about it, but at the same time, I'm happy where with the Islanders are, and I'm happier as an Islanders fan than I've been in a long time. But that being said, I can't stop thinking about this possibility that's going to happen. So we got to <laughs> root for the Montreal Canadiens or somebody else to lose and get that big. Hey, maybe it'll be the Panthers. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. But um, anyway, yeah, the Rangers lost. Uh, and we got to enjoy it uh, for what it is right now. And uh, yeah, they like the, like the Islanders. <laughs> they couldn't keep up with the Hurricanes either. And uh, and the Rangers are a fast team. So imagine what the Hurricanes would do against a slower team like the Islanders. Uh, it's it's weird because of the, the circumstances it's in, obviously. But the I've been waiting for this moment for such a long time because I and I don't, it's not official yet. But I mean, it seems like it's it for for Henrik Lundqvist and mm. as a Ranger. Um, and, and even if it's not like just the, the the unknown or the fact that it that Ranger fans are are thinking about that 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 Henrik's last game as a Ranger was in an empty building in Toronto against the Carolina Hurricanes with no crowd on the wrong side of a handshake line like that look we're that was that's beautiful to me like I, when when Henrik Lundqvist burst onto the scene two thousand six seven eight like that era. Um, he 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 tormented me like he obviously of course he doesn't know it but he he was he was a torture to watch and and, and every night because he was so good every goal was a minor miracle against the guy and the and the, some of those ranger teams like he willed them to success and it was always killing me um and if you had asked me when I back then you know 2009 when I was 19 or whatever and said that, do you think what are the chances that that Henrik Lundqvist retires a Ranger or not retires or or goes his entire Ranger career without winning the Stanley Cup? I would say le- probably less. You know, the, it would be fifty fifty. I, I would say probably higher than that that he that he wins a cup as a Ranger just because he was that good. That they they were building these good teams and they were the Rangers, so they were kind of catching breaks here and there. Like, they they still are with guys like Adam Fox who are like, yeah, no, I just want to play for the Rangers. That's it. Like, yeah. It, there's nothing you can do about it. Kevin Hayes did it. Jimmy Vesey mm. did it. Like these guys just do it. And sometimes they work out. They don't. Dan Boyle. Uh, Dan Boyle. Right? <laughs> like they're just Kevin like, Kirk. it's so annoying that, that, you know, but it's just kind of the, the world we live in. Um, 
And now that I'm last night, so my power goes out and I was like, I got to listen to the end of this. Like I can't let the, this, this moment go by. So I, I uh, put my dog Elvis in the car and just drove around and listened to the, the Rangers lose and Kenny Albert and Dave Maloney uh, kind of just do the, do the thing you do when your season's over and kind of hype up the optimism for the next year and just kind of relish in that, that, that this is going on. And uh, I drove to Taco Bell, sat in a drive through for like 40 minutes because the line was long. I saw, I purposely went to that Taco Bell because I was like, that line is really long. I can really just, I don't even have to worry about driving. I can just sit and inch up every couple minutes. And at the end of it, I'll have a, a Crunchwrap Supreme, which is great too. Like, uh, and, and so I, it, it, I just kind of constructed this moment around Henrik Lundqvist's demise. And for one split second, I was like, why, you know, am I, is this like, is this pathetic that I'm doing this, that I'm making, that I'm so happy about Henrik Lundqvist, this guy who, from all accounts, is a class act. Like, outside Islander fans, nobody hates this guy. Like, he's 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 been nothing but uh, class, and he's a, they say he's such a beautiful-looking guy and everything, and I've never even been able to see that because of my hatred towards him. I'm like, I always say he's not, I don't even think he's that handsome because I hate him so much. <laughs> um, and I was like... Nah, no, nah, it's not pathetic. Like I'm, I'm thrilled with all this. The years and hours, everything that this guy has been to me. Like I'm just happy that this moment has happened. I'm, I'm so happy that there's an, a really good chance that this guy's going to skate off into the sunset and not win a Stanley Cup in a Rangers jersey. It's huge for me. I'm just, I can't be happier right now with it. <laughs> I don't think it's pathetic at all. In fact, he's actually a UFA next year. Uh, he's got one more year left on on his deal, uh, which is like eight million dollars or something. So I don't know if the Rangers are like going to buy him out or something crazy like that. I can't wait. But, I mean, Just, it's it, whatever they're going to do. It's going to be this whole offseason being about that is going to be great. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's still. I mean, I'm sure he's thinking about it more than than anybody else. But it's still a turning point. This is good. This is going to be a turning point in the career of, I mean, setting aside rivalries and everything, uh, an all-time great player. I mean, he's clearly the greatest Ranger goalie that ever lived, all, all due respect to Mike Richter, who actually won the damn thing, and Eddie Jockerman, who, you know, uh, was a, uh, an icon for so long. Um, but, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know if how, that many Islanders fans even hate the guy. Like, obviously, a lot of them do and make up stupid names about him, but I've never really hated him that much because he's just – it's it was a lot like – I look at Lundqvist the way I look at the devil's teams of the 1990s, where it's just, it's not even that I hate them. I'm just so jealous that that team has that guy. And I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like I never hated those devil's teams because they were just so good. And they had all of these guys that I would have like traded my life to have one of them, you know, just to have one Scott Stevens on the Islanders or one Marty Brodeur. Like they had all of them, you know, heck I would have taken Ken Danico. I don't know anybody like Scott Niedermeyer. Like, how do you have all of them? I don't understand. So it's always like, you know, you look at that and you're like, wow, that guy is just really, really good. Now, yes, he tormented the Islanders. Although in fairness, the Islanders got back at him during the uh, Yaroslav Halak era. If you remember correctly, uh, Halak had the, uh, the head-to-head matchup pretty much sewn up for the most part. Um, but the thing I always think about Henrik Lundqvist, too, is that, you know, the, the Rangers, and again, setting aside rivalry stuff for a second, the Rangers are a good example of how hard it is to win the Stanley Cup because they had, hands down, the best goalie in the league for a decade and got to one final and didn't win it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to win the Stanley Cup. It's hard to win multiple cups. Like, how the hell did teams like the Penguins – 
in Kings and Blackhawks do it. Like, I don't understand. It's very, very hard to do. And yeah, they, they made it deep in the playoffs a bunch of times, but they made it to that one final and they lost and that's it. And that's, that's where his career is going to end. I mean, now maybe he hooks up with somebody else. My, our Flyers fan, fan friends at Brush Street Hockey, who, by the way, wrote an article once called Henrik Lundqvist is ugly. I'll, I'll have to link with, to that in the thing there. You know, they're like, Hey, how come, why does he come up back up Carter Hart? You know what? That's a pretty scary proposition. <laughs> I gotta tell you, uh, as a person that doesn't want the Flyers to to uh, you know be that successful either. But uh, yeah, you know, I think it's you know it's a big deal. It's a big deal. He's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I mean, the Rangers are gonna have to figure some stuff out. Um, it was fun watching guys like Tony D'Angelo and uh, Brandon Lemieux kind of get some just desserts <laughs> in that game, which is a lot of fun. Um, you know. But uh, and, the, and the the Hurricanes did what we were all hoping, which is bounce them. But, uh, you know, now they move on to their offseason. And I'm sure it's going to involve some other big name guy being like, well, I want to sign with the Rangers. I want to play in New York City. <laughs> OK, fine. Go, go, go ahead. Go play in New York City. Ask Kevin Shattenkirk about playing in New York City. I'm sure he really loved it. Now he's yeah. playing in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Man, that's a great point about it, it is just so hard to no matter what, when the playoffs start, even this year, like I'm just always convinced myself the Rangers are going to win um, because uh, you, you can't not, if you're an Islander fan, it's otherwise you're just, you, you're kind of lying to yourself. If you're, if you don't think that the Rangers are going to win the Stanley cup at the beginning of every, or it's either, it's going to be Rangers leaves in the Eastern conference finals or something like mm. that. That's, that's, that's basically penguins my, too. yeah, penguins, the, the three of them, one of them, one of those three will get in. And now, you know, it would be funny if the three of them end up in the lottery and you're like, well, one of them is going to get the, the number one pick, but yeah, it's just, <laughs> Man, there's just nothing like seeing those guys. Uh, and, and I think a couple of years ago, we, we spoke about how with the Leafs and the Tavares thing, how they kind of were on Eve and the Rangers weren't very good. Like they're on level pegging in terms of rivalry and hatred. Um, but uh, now, like because of guys like D'Angelo and, and Lemieux, uh, the Rangers are very hateable again. Uh, and also because, they're, they're, yes, they're good again. But um it's it's nice to, to have like that that same kind of hatred back towards them and uh yeah i mean it's it's really it's really great and and i hope even i i had this conversation with a friend last night i don't know if i would want if if Lundqvist goes to you know another team I, I, the flyers is a little different just because you know i don't really like them but if he goes to like dallas or something and, and wins a stanley mm. cup in a random random that's oh, fine yeah like <laughs> it's fine. I'm, I'm keep i keep deciding if i want because it's like my hatred towards Henry, Henrik Lundqvist has nothing to do. I, I totally understand he is a classy guy. Like I get that. And, and hating someone like that who seems like a good man may seem petty and to people, but my hatred towards him is not saying like how, how I hate someone who's like an evil person. Like a, there, I, there are plenty of evil people out there who I hate. My, this is a, this is like a fan hatred that I, I just, he is one of my least favorite people on the planet just solely because of his athletic exploits. And, um, it's it's it'll be a huge victory to me the second that that the Rangers either buy him out or something and and just the if his career if his Ranger career ends not with a bang but a whimper I mean I, I somewhere in a different universe like seventeen year old me is is having a huge parade somewhere yeah yeah we'll have to see it's gonna it's gonna impact him Igor Shesterkin and uh, Ilya Sorokin I guess who's uh, Shesterkin's good friend and who's hanging out, playing ping pong with his Islanders buddies, even though he can't play yet. Um, one quick thing about hatred that you brought it up is that, uh, you know, I've seen people on my timeline, again, friends of mine that are like, oh, I, I hate what hate for the, the Panthers need to beat the Islanders. I'm so sick of them. And I was like, 
I don't get that. Like how I'm an Islanders fan. Like I want to read people reading about the writing about the Islanders and I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> like that's obviously outside of the usuals, Arthur Staple, Andrew Gross, a couple other folks like that's it. I don't know where these people live that they, that people are always talking about the Islanders because that's not where I live, where I live. The Islanders barely exist. You know, if they didn't look at the website every day to follow the, the, the construction of their new arena, I wouldn't even know that they live, that they were a thing. So I just, I don't know. It's weird, but uh, yeah, I, it's definitely funny how the Rangers have become a very hateable franchise. And the Leafs have always been hateable because obviously everywhere outside of Toronto absolutely hates them. So that's, that's fine. Like there's always us with, you know, Habs fans and even like Canucks fans or something like that. It's, they become hateable. And I like how the, the Oilers have become hateable if only because of sheer, their sheer incompetence. <laughs> like they, they've been so incompetent for so long that people still hate them because they've still got McDavid, even though they've been completely incompetent this entire time. And it's just people like rooting against them just because they suck so bad and have sucked for so long. Yeah, it is so. funny. Like it's, it's almost like gritty. Like when gritty became a thing, everyone, most of the time, like everyone would just hate that mascot. Like be like, what are they doing? But for right. some reason it just clicked that like everyone's like, ah, he's, I yeah. love this thing. It's like yeah. the Oilers, like that team getting the, the over fourth, the four first overall picks or whatever, and not doing anything with it. You'd just be like, wow, I'm sure those guys, that, that fan base is going to become like lovable losers. But for some reason, the greater society just decided, no, no, we, we're mad at the Oilers for this rather than, rather than feeling, yeah. taking pity on them. But yeah, we're mad just, at them for it, and we're going to enjoy their failures, even <laughs> despite of all that. And the fact that they that only two of those four guys are even left is already enough to like live on, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, with every loss that and every goal against, uh, every <laughs> every Mike Smith goal against, it's even it's even better. You know? I, so. I also want to say, and and I wasn't prepared for this, but you know who who have really has started to become hateable, and I don't know if this is just me, but I do not like Ryan Strom anymore. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Obviously, it it doesn't hurt that he became a ranger, but like I just like feel like he he became much closer to what the Islanders, especially after he had that good year uh, mm. when we, when we lost to the Capitals in that first round. I was like, this is this this he's on the right path. Like he's going to be a good player. He started to become what I thought he would become on the Islander with the Rangers. So that definitely has a lot to do with my my bitterness towards him. But I just uh, I just don't. He, he he's he's also started to show personality too, which I feel like he didn't really do with the Islanders. Maybe it was because he was younger, but um, you know he's doing that with the Rangers, and uh, I and like I said, it's pro- it has basically everything to do with him being on the Rangers. But I'm I don't like him anymore. <laughs> and I can see that a you know it has to do with the Rangers. B the fact that he was like riding shotgun with Artemi Panarin and just like. Right feasting off of, <laughs> off of yeah. whatever scraps he left him. But also, yeah, I mean, I think Strom has always had that sort of smirking, you know, um, I, I don't know what the right word is, sort of like, you know, class clown type of uh, look about him. And I think there was there were trace elements there when he was an Islander. And I think it's come out a lot more since he's a Ranger. And obviously because he's a Ranger, it makes him a lot more dislikable or unlikable uh, than if he was an Islander. If he was an Islander and putting up those numbers and kind of smirking like that, we'd probably love him, you know, like you know, Matt Barzell has got a little bit of that in him, which is kind of great for us. But JG Paggio has a little bit of that in him, although he's a little bit older than, than Strom is, but yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I, I say this all the time. I, there was a long time where I hated Pat Flatley. I absolutely hated him because he signed with the Rangers. And so this guy was, you know, an Islander forever. He was the captain. And then he makes one mis- he makes one signing with a pen. And all of a sudden I'm like, I hate this guy. And I hated this guy for like 20 years. And so finally I'm like, 
why do I hate this guy? I probably would have signed with the Rangers too. Like they didn't, the Islanders, it was some kind of stupid thing. Like they lowballed him after, you know, being on the team for 15 years and being a captain and fisherman jersey and everything. They lo- like lowballed him or didn't pay him. And he ended up signing. I, would, I thought to myself, you know what? I probably would have done that too. So what am I so mad about? Ray Ferraro too was another one. He signed with the Rangers after playing with the Islanders and then he got traded to the Kings. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I can like him. Now, so it's not, again, so now he's not. And his, that Ranger period of Ray, nobody remembers Ray Ferraro as a Ranger. You know, they, most people remember him as an Atlanta Thrasher. They remember him as a Ranger. So. Like, like if, if someone, if someone from the Rangers signs with the Islanders, do you think they, their hatred like is as magnified as like, think about, I guess, I don't know, Brian Mullen, his name. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's well, a Ranger. Maloney too. Yeah. Yeah. Maloney, yeah. like those guys, like, uh, Eric Cairns. <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, just like you know, former Rangers who signed with the Islanders. Like, do you think their um, hatred would be is like the same in like the vice versa situation? I, I I would assume no, because I feel like we're you know it's a little little brother syndrome. Uh, but yeah, um, I can't remember. I mean, there have been guys that were Rangers and then came to the Islanders, and I can't remember a single instance in which and they got signed more than. Like, yeah, Broussard is one. But he, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't. When when the Islanders signed Broussard, I don't know. if any any of my ranger fan friends even notice to be honest right. like if if that was the other situation if, if that was flipped where brassard was with the islanders mm. pretty good for a couple of years and then got traded and then signed with the island the rangers i would be like screw this guy and complaining and making fun of him to my friend being like oh have fun with this guy can't wait for him to take 10 <laughs> hooking penalties because he doesn't play defense something like that but i didn't i didn't no, get any got of that. that treatment was uh michael grabner like, right. I wouldn't say any Islander fan hated Michael Grabner for signing with the Rangers, but we were all like, yeah, wait till he starts taking those breakaways <laughs> <laughs> and missing the net by a country mile. Yeah, you're going to really like Grabner. And then he got traded, you know, so I, I don't think – and it, but I don't remember him getting like booed or like – again, no more than so than anybody else. If anything, people were like, oh, man, that kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, now it's kind of a thing. Now, I don't think anybody does that as much as Islanders fans do. Like yeah. we have long memories, you know. So I I remember being so irrationally mad at Michael Pekka <laughs> when he signed yeah. with the Leafs. I was like these. Yeah. This is the team that oh, that blew out your knee. You're gonna play with them? Oh. Yeah. I'm so mad at him about it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. There's I mean, there's a book to be written about the guys that left the Islanders and were either hated or were still missed. Like I mean, Kyle Poso and Franz Nielsen are two guys we always bring up that. People still miss him for good reason. You know, Matt Martin was a guy Islanders fans missed. And then I got him back and I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and and Leafs fans were like, why? Like, I don't understand. And it's like, we love this guy. He's the mayor, you know. But yeah. meanwhile, that Tavares game, I'll never forget. I was actually thinking, thinking about this the other day, the, the return game, when like other players were like on Twitter being like, holy shit, these people are pissed yeah. off. You know, like, Jason Demers. Really, I remember Jason, Jason Demers. Demers. Yeah. You're like, what like, the wow, hell? Across cool. the Islanders fans. Like, yeah, no kidding. And I mean, that may have changed that that game may have changed the course of free agency in the NHL as we know it, because these guys are like now they know what's possible, you know, because because Islanders fans showed them the way. Yeah, that's why Tom Kunakel re-upped with us. He's like, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why he doesn't want, doesn't want the Tavares treatment. Yeah, I can see that. Anyway. Uh, OK, so, yeah, Friday noon, game four, Islanders Panthers. I mean, I expected to see the exact same lineup, exact same game plan, exact same everything. and try and take less penalties and, and, you know, try and come out with a win. I don't think there's, there's going to be any panic or, or, uh, you know, anxiousness or nervousness. I think they're just going to do their thing and I trust Barry and them to do it. Now, should they lose that game? 
yeah, I'm going to be a little bit nervous, but uh, let's worry about that. Then I don't, I think the team is, is committed. They know the game plan and they're just going to have to go out and execute it and not make too many mistakes. Yeah. I, I it's just not going to be another uh, August afternoon with the Islanders. I, <laughs> yeah. I, Hopefully I'm, we all have power and internet back. Right. By then. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, that kind of sucks. But anyway, yeah, that was uh, okay. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. You can follow it at LHH Hockey. You can follow our podcast feed at LHH Podcast. Listen to Nolan Dan. You could listen to Joe. Uh, you know, hopefully, they'll have some stuff coming up soon. Uh, and you can follow Mike on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? The Bigly Basket with two E's. The Big League Basket with two E's. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Follow Kerry Haber at Habermetrics on Twitter, too. He's always posting those things that – I mean, I'm I'm after every Islanders game, I listen to Barry Trotz's press conference, and I go, I look for Kerry's thing. And I hate to put that much pressure on him, but <laughs> I look for those, <laughs> those tweets to tell me whether the Islanders did pretty good, really good, pretty bad, or really bad. It's, and, it's uh, great, too, because he doesn't, he doesn't make you feel bad for not there, – there's so many people out in that in, in, in doing the stuff that Kerry does that – uh, when when you ask a question, they like kind of belittle you or they'll dunk on you or something like that, and it's 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 very refreshing when people don't do that, and and that's one of the great things about Carrie. Yeah, and if you don't understand it, ask him; he'll be very happy to answer your question. Uh, and check out vintageicehockey.com for uh, cool shirts and uh, save fifteen percent by typing Lighthouse fifteen into the box. Okay, uh, we'll talk to you sometime after Game Four, I guess. Well, game Five, I guess, would be Sunday, right? So, uh, I think so. You know. In what, no matter what happens, we'll probably talk to you. Yeah, it might be we'll Sunday at 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might be. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on the the Islanders and Panthers and Canucks and Wild are the ones getting the short ends of this, the various sticks in the two conferences. So, uh, yeah, look for them at the most bizarre times. But uh, in any event, we'll probably get together like Sunday night and, and hash out whatever happens and either one or both of those games. All right, cool. Uh, So we'll talk to you then. Enjoy game four and hopefully not (laughs) a game five. Hopefully there won't be one. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, whenever we talk to you. All right, thanks a lot. Bye-bye.